up, I'm playing them jeeps. Double lap back of the seat. Yeah, yeah. I'm out here looking like Meech. Flooded the paddy for leap. Yeah, yeah. Book is all up in the peace. We got the key to the streets. Oh, Lord. Remember they said I was done, done. No, they ain't on the one one. Hello, and thank you for joining us on Building Greatness the Warrior Way, a Westcliff University Athletics podcast. As always, I'm joined by our Dean of Athletics, Sean Harris. Yay, yay. And I'm Sherm Dog, David Shermet, the head baseball coach at Westcliff University. To lead the show, as we like to do, we've got our fast, fun sports facts today. Sean, This is an interesting one because it's international sports. I'm trying to cover a little bit of everything, but the Olympic ring covers, um, or the Olympic ring colors, I should say, cover every flag in the world. Yellow, green, red, black, and blue were selected because at least one of those colors appears on every flag in the world. Obviously, the worldwide competition that is the Olympics. What I discovered is that there are two flags in the world that have no red, white, or blue on their flag. Two countries that have no red, white, or blue anywhere. One is pretty close to the United States, Caribbean area, and one is pretty far away from the United States. Think about it just for a second. See if you know the one in the Caribbean. And when I say it, if you don't get it, you'll say yes, of course. Uh, Cuba? No, not far off. Not far off. But Mm. think about great sprinters. Oh, Jamaica. Exactly, right? Jamaica's black Man. and yellow for the most part, right? And green, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah. Yep. But hey, shout out to Jamaica. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it in Jamaica. Yeah, man. And, uh, Wagman, Wagman. <laughs> Me Idery, man. Me Idery. <laughs> and Sri Lanka is the only other one. Now, Sri Lanka. I should have known yeah, Sri Lanka. <laughs> really? That was you at the top saying? of your list? Yeah, I, I would have got that. You know, the Sri Lanka thing, you know, I would have got that. Matter of fact, you know, I worked with a guy that was from Sri Lanka. I used to give him the business. Hmm. He couldn't play ball either. Okay. You know what I'm saying? He couldn't <laughs> play ball. And he, so he reminded me of you, Sean. Thank you. We're going no to get into that. We're going to talk about that. And, okay, here, this is a shout-out, really, to our cheer and stunt coach, Eric Anderson. The Dallas Cowboys hired the first professional cheerleading squad in 1972. First professional, wow. yep, first professional NFL cheerleading squad, 1972. And the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders, of course, went on to be iconic. But hey, we have a full cheer squad. We've got men, we got women, we've got a stun squad coming up as well. So, uh, we do. yeah, oh, yeah. And you know what's really neat about that is the vision that you had to bring that on because I don't know if there are a lot of colleges at our level that have that. I haven't, they don't. No, I haven't seen they it. They don't. I haven't seen it. And- Hey, and EA is one of the best to do it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's, um, he's recognized internationally and domestically. Mm-hmm. So we have one of the best, you know, coaches you possibly can have in the world. And he's won at the D1 level as well. So, I mean, he, he's the real deal. Oh, absolutely. And his staff is exceptional. Yep. He's the, the really interesting thing I discovered about Eric early on is that he is an international judge. And when he came and joined Westcliff early, he would show up on Instagram and he would be in the middle of a party somewhere in South America. I mean, it would be on crazy, the, yeah, right? Crazy. Hey, he turns up. You would think he don't get no work done because every time you see him somewhere, uh, he's having a, a, a special drink with an umbrella in his hand and, and actually having fun. But it just shows the passion of what he does and what he do uh, around the world for others. I mean, he's a big giver. Yeah. He's one of the most empathetic per- people I've ever met. Um, he's caring. He He's uplifting. Um, he has a high standard. Um, he is everything that we talk about when we're talking about five C's. He embodies all of those things. And I'm so thankful that he's our cheer you know, coach mm-hmm. um, because – 
I don't think we would beat him if he wasn't. So I mean, I'm so glad that he's on our our squad. Yep, and also developed a uh, school song, a fight song. Oh man, the fight song. We have to bring him on so he can uh, him and his cheer girls. Yeah, that would be great. And then we can play has. the fight song. Yeah. Yeah, we'll play the fight song. We'll we'll go through. But hey, man, it's I mean, it pumps me up every time I hear it. Yeah. So, um, you know, shout out to EA and his group. Okay. You know, the cheer squad. Uh, he's well connected. A- absolutely. I hope we get him out at some of the games coming up soon. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, in, in a future podcast, I want to talk a little bit about what spring might look like with all these games. Oh, man. Yeah. man. It's going to be off the it's, chain. It's, hey, it's going to be off the hizzy. Yeah. I hope we have enough. I can't wait. hope we have enough cheerleaders to get around all the things hey, happening I don't know at about the same that, time. Sharon, but, you know, I, I got some pom-poms, so I'll be like oh, T.O. on the sideline. Oh, my God. The visual. You know, whatever we need to do. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go. Oh, let's, man. Let's go. I can't get that visual work, out of work, my head work, now of work, you with pop work, Go, 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 go. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Get my pom poms. Let's go. You get the pumped up kicks right now, don't you? Yes. Awesome. Let's do okay. it. Okay. Hey, I did want to mention a little bit about uh, the NBA. Uh, we've got oh we, let's yeah, go let's talk about well, it. well we got a great guest coming on in just a little bit a lady who is iconic in the Maryland area and an, a wonderful educator and basketball coach but you know staying with the theme of basketball uh, I think the Denver Nuggets have the Lakers right where they want them after last hey, night's game I mean history would say so especially this year mm-hmm, right absolutely I mean you know Jamal Murray has been off the chain I mean everybody gonna act like they've been rocking with him since UK or back you know he's from the six yep you know yeah, so yeah. he's originally from the six mm-hmm. so you know they're gonna act like they've been rocking with him for for what for forever but we know that's bandwagon i mean he's carved his niche you know he's a baller he's been showing out him and joker yeah you know, yeah they've been Nikola doing their Jokic. thing i mean they got yeah they got uh you know michael porter jr who's a rising stud um not afraid to speak his mind mm-hmm. of course he don't care. No, he, he'll he, tell you before he tell the coach. He was very you know outspoken saying? on social you know, media and on the interviews. Yeah, yeah, you know, but what he said was right. You know, maybe a uh, wrong platform at the time. Okay. But, hey, guess what? It galvanized them. They didn't skip a beat. No, right? not at all. And, but I'm telling you, like, um, I don't think LeBron and AD going to settle for anything less but bringing this chip home, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, for Kobe. Let's let's be honest. They're gonna do it for Kobe, and they're gonna do it for LA. Mm-hmm. And um, it's gonna be a LeBron big, is not gonna be food. Now there's gonna be a big party and a huge parade if they if they bring that home. I mean, it's yeah. They don't they don't care what phase we in. If if, yeah. we still, if they win yeah. a championship, LA is gonna be out. Yeah, okay? absolutely. LA's gonna be out. You know, there, there's right? something dangerous about a team playing with emotion, playing for a cause, or playing for right. something to play for. And this year, obviously, it's for Kobe. So you know, it's and it looks like it looks as though. It would be Miami coming out of the East because they're up three one right Man, now. Jimmy buckets. Yeah. I mean, oh yeah. Tyler Hero. He was a hero the other playing night. Playing like a hero. You know, what I'm saying. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, another UK uh, guy. You know, uh, he did flip flop. I mean, okay, originally, a little bit. He got he got a what he got a, a originally he signed a, what Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. But guess what though? If he didn't make the change, he'd still be in Wisconsin. Yeah, right he'd be. Con- you know he'd be. Con- he's twenty so, years old. Tyler. Yeah, Hero. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he he made the right decision. Sometimes you got to know your game. Absolutely. Stick to your gut. Yeah. And um, but look at him. He's he's filling it up. He had thirty seven off the bench. Um, thirty seven off had the bench. Thirty seven. Just I mean, fourteen I of twenty one from the floor the other man, night. Man, you know. But when you shoot it that well, mm-hmm. you know, um, the game becomes easy. You know, um, I, I will tell you, um, shooting is work ethic. You know, you got to put up the reps. And then it becomes a skill set. You just don't wake up out of bed and, and start shooting like that. I mean, you got to put in those reps. So he he's a gym rat for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're strong. I mean, 
I, I gotta, you know, shout out to Zag, you know, Kelly Olenek, you know, right, I mean? right. We we haven't seen him much this series, but he's there. Um, they they Duncan Robinson, great shooter, mm-hmm. another great shooter. Bam Adebayo, um, I mean, he's oh, he's bam. been Come he's on. been the X factor. Bam, yep. oh bam, bam bam bam. He's been the X yeah, factor. Bam. Yeah, Bam Bam really got it going on. Yep. Um, he he's gobbling up every rebound and put back. I mean, his over the shoulder game is ridiculous mm-hmm. right now. And then you know everybody want to you know Drogic. They want to sleep Goran, on. Him. Yeah, the Goran man Drogic. knows what he's doing. Yep. Okay. He he he's been handling business. I mean, I mean, so you know, I, I love Miami because they're rough riders, and I love Spo and, and and you know Riley and those boys over there. They get it done. But um. Um, both series are not over yet, so I don't want to count anything out. No, that's true. You know, Especially the Denver series. Well, each team seems to have at least two superstars, but it's the guys right. around them. Like we were talking about Bam Adebayo uh, and right. uh, Goran Dragic. But, you know, you look at the Lakers, they've gotten more production out of uh, Dwight Howard this year than they thought they would get. Right. He's and, and he, Listen, let's let's be honest. Okay, Dwight first run with the Lakers was boo boo, right? Yeah. Because yeah, it you was. know, now, and some of it is you know Dan Tony because he made Dan Tony made the statement like, I don't, I can't do, I can't function my offense with two seven footers. I mean, you had Dwight Howard that wasn't hurt that you know he right, was pretty right. healthy, and then you had Paul Gasol. You telling me you can't figure it out with a high low game with two seven footers? That didn't make sense to me. And look at it, D'Antoni ain't been the same from New York. He ain't been the same in L.A. He ain't been the same in Houston. Like it, the system don't work, you know. But the let me just say this: he might have had a chance when he was in Phoenix, right? But you know, it didn't go down the way he wanted. Maybe right. But my thing is this. Dwight Howard is a Hall of Famer. Just don't understand. Like, well, he's 17th year season. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a Hall of Famer. He's getting in. Like, you know, and, and basically he didn't change his game because he didn't stretch anything, right? The man can't shoot a three-pointer. He barely <laughs> can dribble. But he's going to rebound. He's going to block shots, and he looks super, super uh, human. You know what I'm saying? Out there. And to be able to do that at your 17th year in the league, mm-hmm. you know, hey, hats off to him, yeah. man. And he's excited. He's been the energy bunny. Coming off the bench mm-hmm, for those mm-hmm. guys. I mean, they got. Well, matter of fact, he's been starting a little bit in the second half. So yeah, yeah. He's been getting. He's been, reckon- he's been getting fourteen and eleven, which you know they. Yeah, they I just mean, wanted that's him. That's great for a man of seventeen in years. In oh, league. absolutely. And you know when he joined the Lakers, LeBron got in his face and said, "Look, this is what we need from Did you." Did LeBron really get in his that's face? What LeBron that- be challenging. He ain't no Kobe. He ain't no Mamba. Yeah. He ain't getting to nobody face. He Sherm. Uh, but yeah, you know what? He, he, it he wasn't- asked him through social media. He probably texted him. You know, please come on. He ain't that kind no, of. No, 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 no. I, think like it, I don't think it was confrontational. I don't think LeBron was going after the hey, we need this type of production from you. It's more like we need you to be this type of teammate. Well, yeah, he's great at doing that. Let me tell you, LeBron James is is the one of the greatest superstars that connect the dots. He is a GM. You know what I mean? He connects the dots and he knows I mean he'll challenge you in the media, but I don't think he's in somebody's face, you know, like you know, like Kobe was. Kobe was ready to put hands on Dwight the first time mm, he went around. Yeah. You know, Dwight almost got the business. You know what I mean? Like, the, he was about to get them paws, that left and that right, that love and hate. He was about to get the two-piece in the biscuit, bam, bam. you know, hot yeah. and spicy. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you know, so LeBron's approach, you know, is is very much in line with who Dwight is and who he's finding himself to be, you know, because, um, you know, it's working right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to say anything. LeBron is smart at what he does. I don't want to jinx LA. I want to see the Lakers pull it off. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Oh, I about think it. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm wondering though. You know, so you know, it, we could have a classic Lakers Celtics 
showdown. But but it would. No, I don't want it's that. Not, come and on, it's come not going to be the same though. There's no crowd. Me, They're playing in you. Florida. It's not going to be anywhere near the television. So, so what's the Celtics coach? What's his name? Brad Stevens. Yeah, you know how I feel. I about do. Brad. We've talked about Brad. Brad ain't this shit. Yep, yep. Okay. So, but not you know okay, what? He ain't did nothing. Dan Tony hasn't either. No, there are a lot of guys that haven't. Spolstra, right. of course, has. So why he still got a job? Why he still got a job? That's a good question. Why do guys still have jobs? They go from one team to the next, job? and the same thing happens. At how each long team. Brad been around? How long yeah, Brad he, been? He's around? been around about uh, what six, eight years now with the Celtics. Too damn long not to do nothing. Well, okay, but come on, come on, come on. Okay. Man, you had Kyrie. You had okay. All right. You know. Okay, but you, here, what about you could say that about Frank Vogel? Guy has, I didn't say Frank should have got the job. Yeah, I know. I don't. Okay. I didn't think but so Frank either. Frank was smart enough. Frank was smart enough to say, "Just give me whatever you give me. I'm okay with yep. it." It's LeBron over here. He's smart. I'm gonna get this chip. That's what he said. I'm gonna get paid next year from somebody. You know, he was smart enough to take it. But you know, Ty Lue probably should have had that. I agree. But he got weaseled out. Uh-huh, I agree. You know, he got weaseled out. I mean, J. Kidd. Yeah, I mean, they ain't like he got slouches on the sideline. No, line, no, dude. not at all. Not at I all. Mean, but they. I don't know how much Vogel's actually talking. That's over there. another thing. I don't know how much say he actually had in. But creating he's smart his own though. Staff. He was like, okay, Rob Palinka, I'm gonna shut. Yeah, up. keep your mouth shut. Collect you your check. To. Right. I'm gonna get my check. LeBron, do what you do all the time. Let's bring it home. Okay. So, do you think smart job? Do him. you think AD is gonna resign? Yeah, he is, man. It's too much. It's too much opportunity in La La Land. Uh, LeBron has pretty much passed the torch over to him already. The bra is going to be in L.A. For yeah, he'll probably be the fra- the face of the franchise. I mean, they got he's the face of the franchise now. Yeah. LeBron is 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 slowly but surely putting him on that pedestal as he's going to collect his check and wait for Bronny James to get. Ah, uh, he might through he might and, be the next Laker. Oh, let me tell you something. LeBron is so great. This is a dude who could stay in a locker room and tell you 50. Hmm. That's how smart he is, right? Probably, So, yeah. and, and if he decides to just go down to the block, he's going to put five more years on his day, mm-hmm. okay? Because he still l- cannot be stopped there. Yeah, he's got a lot of minutes, so, a lot of minutes on those legs. He does. He does. But he's one of our probably most um, in-shape athletes and take care of his body than we ever seen. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. oh yeah, so, yeah. So, you look at so definitely he's built for it. Absolutely. You know, the Lakers I think are going to win it if they do continue to get the production from Contavious Caldwell Pope, from Kyle Kuzma. You know what? I don't even like Pope. I don't even like Pope. And you know, no disrespect to Pope because I might run into him <laughs> in the streets. You know, because you know I I am prominent in this business, uh-huh. so I might run into him in the streets. You know, I'm I'm not talking about Pope, the person, but his game. I don't really. You know, fill his game as much, but he's been solid. He's been more than solid. Yeah. So I have to respect mm-hmm. him because his jump shot is wet right now. Yeah, he's a little inconsistent, he's been, he, but yeah, he's he's way more consistent than Kuz right now. And, and you know, I might see Kuz in the streets too, yeah. but it is what it is. Facts are facts, baby. Like you know, he's been consistent, mm-hmm. but um, I didn't think it you know complimented. But my 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 unsung hero would be Caruso. I mean, Caruso, man, you know, he, he's trying to get that Matthew Delvadova contract. You know, he's like, yeah. I'm going to be Bron's best friend and get paid. But the boy has been balling, and he's been the rock. Who I'm looking for, though, okay, I'm looking for my sharpshooter that can't be found found on the milk carton. And you know who that is, don't you? Give me. Come on, think about on their roster right now, who did they bring over this year? Pay big time money to, and he ain't been. He's been absent. Jr. Smith. He's just no, no. <laughs> Jr. Is, is playing his role. He's a disciplinary act. He got to sit back and chill. He came from the Raptors. He came from San Antonio. 
Oh my Come god. Come on, you don't know who I'm nah, talking I'm about? I'm just drawing a blank right now. Come on, man. What you talking <laughs> Come on, about? Man. I'm, How are you gonna challenge me in basketball if you don't know I'm just drawing a, who I'm talking about? I'm just drawing about. a blank right now. You don't know who the sharpshooter is? I can't figure it out. I, I don't know. I don't remember off the top of my head. I'm I'm not okay, I'm I'm gonna end the conversation with you. We're not even gonna go on. <laughs> are right. we done? We got you it's not even we it's not even worthy. We have to talk about somebody about else. Liquor. So yeah, you you're a faker. <laughs> you know, I'm not even gonna give it to you. Next next show Tell me who I was talking about. Okay. All right. Well, okay. L then let me ask really quickly, uh, what's your prediction for the, the championship? Lakers, baby. And how many? You know what? Um, it might go seven, you know, if they have to play Miami. Miami's not going to roll over. It is some, you know, Bam is, I mean, you know, there's some things that's going to cancel each other out. Um, we got playoff P, you know, Rondo doing this thing right now for the Lakers. I mean, I don't think they sweeping. It could easily go 3-1. But I would say Lakers in five. Lakers in you know, five. Lakers in five. I would have taken Lakers in six over. You're you're saying it's the Heat. You can't even tell me the Lakers roster. And you're gonna take it. But in you're six. saying it's the Heat, right? Who, who's the who? Yeah, but who's the dude, right? Who's the dude that that's we looking for him in the milk carton right now? You know, he he was a sharpshooter. We brought him over for his shot. We can't find him. I, I I gave you his whole resume. He was in San Antonio. He was in he was in at the Raptors. Okay. You know, he came over this year, right? And he ain't been he been non existent. So how are you gonna give me a prediction and you can't even tell me, you know, the dudes who's on the roster? Oh, 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 wait, wait. Uh 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 Danny Green. How about that? It, how long does it is take? Is it Danny me? Green? Did I get it right? Of course oh, it okay, is. okay, you're right. He's Goodness gracious. You know, he was supposed to he's like a three point sure. specialist who hasn't really done much. You're absolutely right. He ain't been nowhere, man. Absolutely Where, right. Where's Danny Green? He supposed to be in the bubble accounted for, but we can't find mm. him. I don't know what's going on with him. Like maybe he's saving it for the championship, but he needs to show up, man. We need more shooting. The Lakers need more shooting on the perimeter right now. And that'll open some things up. They're gonna need that for the next series. I'm already counting out you know, the cardiac kids, which is Denver. I know they're 3-1 specialists mm. this year, but I don't think you do it three times in a row. I just don't think you do. And I don't think LeBron and AD are going to let that roll over. So, um, you know, I just seen um, Dwight Howard just pretty much pump the Joker, pretty much. That's been the, the difference, yeah, right? Yeah. His physicality has just been a problem for the Joker. So he need to get in the gym, you know, get his manhood back, you know, and, and or, or take, you know, um, some of the bigs a little bit further out the perimeter so they can do some things. But Jamal Murray's been a stud the whole time, man. He's been a stud uh, the whole time. Maybe they need to spring in the young guy. Maybe they need to put Michael Porter in the, in the lineup or whatever the case may be. But um, I don't see him coming back on the Lakers. No, probably not. I mean, they it's, you know, the two stars for both teams are going to wind up getting 50 or 60 total. It's just going to be the way it is. It's going to be the other guys like you're talking about, like Grant or Millsap or the others. Yeah. yeah. yeah the others. And, and, you know, the bench scoring, I think is probably going to cancel each other out. Both benches are going to score 25, 30 points, something like that. So it's going to come down to a couple of guys, which is why I say Dwight Howard might be the key in all this because he gets, you know, 14 and 11 on most nights. And yeah, yeah. but you know, he is going to be a, a significant factor, but but I think it's always going to come down to your, your studs. Oh, sure. And it's going to be, you know, it's going to come down to defense and and who can control the paint and, and control the pace of the game. Sure. But I, I just see the Lakers winning this year, and I think the Mamba's shining down on us. Yeah. And uh, he's bringing one home for L.A. Yep, you know, I So agree. I just believe that. And they've been undefeated in those black unis, which is Mamba created. So 
you know, as far as I'm concerned, if Frank Vocal was a great coach, you put them on when you sleep, when you go to the bathroom, <laughs> when you play. You don't take you don't take those uniforms off, okay? You you know, you don't take them off. It ain't no jinx. You just keep them on and you do everything. You eat, you sleep, you do everything. And, yep. You know? Oh yeah. But hey, um, I'm a you know I'm a baseball coach. Is gonna go. I'm superstitious. So if if something's right. working, you don't change anything. Right. Keep it the same. Yeah. Keep so, it the same. Absolutely. Right, so, so I think. I think the Mamba's shining down on us this Absolutely. year. Absolutely. So we're in agreement. Rightfully the so. The Lakers in five or six. Yeah. Okay. I'm saying Lakers in five. Lakers in five. You're saying six, I'll say right? Lakers in six. Yeah. I think so. Right. Just... We might have to bet off camera. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, hey, I tell you what. Why don't we go ahead and uh, bring on our special guest today, uh, a very special lady from the uh, Maryland area. Yep. Lower Eastern Shore, baby. Okay. That's that's where the best people come from, Sure. Well, now we get to what is the most important part of our podcast today because we have a very special guest from the area around Baltimore and uh, Maryland, and that is Teresa Waters. Her list of accolades is so long, it would probably take up the rest of the podcast if I mentioned all of them. I will mention a few as we go along, but the lady has done absolutely everything in her community above and beyond. Teresa, it's great to have you here. Thank you for joining us. And thank you for the opportunity. Uh, well, you know, we, we came across you through a mutual friend, which was Al Handy, Hondo, right, who appeared on our podcast about a month ago, and you've appeared on his podcast as well. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay, very good. And, you know, the, um, the comments and everything that came from that, we thought we've got to get her on our podcast. There wasn't any two ways around it. It was absolutely outstanding to hear you. You're a wonderful speaker, and your resume... Uh, it goes on and on. I, I don't even know where to start. Uh, just to list it, it reads like a novel it, in, in the best possible way. Your core competencies, uh, your employment chronology and your contributions, small things that, that go a long way, like the Women's Basketball Coaches Association, Board of Directors, uh, Maryland Public School System, Basketball Committee Member, Regional Director, Tournament Employee. Uh, the list is so great. Where did you find time to do all of these things? Because that is just scratching the surface of all of the positions you've held. You've, you must be very busy. I am extremely busy. As a matter of fact, I think I thrive on being busy. Not that that's always a good thing, but um, I enjoy being involved. Mm -hmm. And I don't sleep a lot, that's for sure. <laughs> but uh, I, I just like being involved, you know, as a matter of fact, you know, we did a, a, a strength test finder at our school and I, one of my strengths was being a learner. Mm -hmm. So I'm very much a, a learner and I like building relationships and, and being a contributor as best yeah, I can. Yeah, of course. Well, you've contributed a lot, obviously. We're going to get into some more of your accomplishments in just a bit. But, you know, when we had Al Handy on and we also had, um, um, what was it, Bob Mara? Sean, was that who it was? Uh, Dan. Or Dan, Dan Mara, sorry, Dan Mara. Yeah, two of Sean's mentors. Um, and so we got a little bit of an idea of uh, Sean's background. Did you have a mentor, Teresa? And, or, and do you also consider yourself a mentor? I have had a lot of mentors, but I'll speak probably on, on those who were probably most influential in my life. Okay. First and foremost, I have to start with my parents. Um, my parents instilled uh, strong faith. You know, we had a connection with God by attending church on a regular basis. 
as a matter of fact, church was actually required of us on Sundays if we wanted to go out and play basketball or go swimming. So by default, we would go to church first. Um, but they still um, obedience as um, a reflection of them. A lot of family values came from them. You know, we ate meals together. We prayed before eating. Expectation to pray before going to bed was also instilled in us. And just treating people in the manner that we would expect to be treated. Um, they taught us interdependence. You know, we made mistakes and they let us fall down. But one thing we always did was to get back up. So we learned from those as well. Respect is probably on the top of our list. Uh, respect for ourselves, respect for others. You know, as far as our dress and how we carried ourselves, you know, one thing they constantly instilled was dignity. And just basic morals, not cursing, you know, um, not saying bad things to one another. And probably at the top of the list was respect for our elders. It was always a priority. Um, I can say that our strong work ethic, and when I say our, I'm referencing my siblings as well, but my strong work ethic was instilled early on from them because they led by example. I remember growing up watching them work multiple jobs. They would moonlight, and consequently, we as kids would have chores to do, such as washing dishes, putting mm -hmm. them away. You know, we'd make our bids when we got out of bed. Um, we were just, you know, very disciplined. I also came from a family of entrepreneurs um, where, you know, you just got it done. You didn't complain. You just to continue to persevere. And um, I would just say resilience and courage because realizing that, you know, everything won't always go our way. So, you know, you take the disappointments and rejections and, and realize that they're more or less nothing but strength to, to um, continue to run the race. I had siblings as well. Uh, I think they mentored to me, although I had a younger sibling, but uh, Randy was the youngest one and I had two older siblings, uh, Sylvia and Greg. But I felt like, you know, they also uh, taught me humility um, just because I was that middle child, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the oldest child is often thought of as an authoritarian, which was my older brother and my sister. And the youngest child is treated like a spoiled brat. And I was kind of <laughs> like in the middle of that. Okay. But I would say from the, from the sports perspective, um, my high school coach. Coach uh, Brenda Jones was uh, also an individual who was a mentor to me. She taught us the importance of team. And you, I also learned also things not to do. You know, back in the day when I played basketball, you know, she was very much a yeller and a screamer. And we could take it. I mean, it just motivated us. Well, today I can't do that. Mm -hmm. And I found that I can get um, – more from honey than I can from vinegar. So my right. kids know that, you know, I'm not a screamer, but they also know when I mean business. Sure. Now, as and, and I've had other people throughout the course of my life, but as far as me being a mentor, I would hope so. Mm -hmm. um, I pride myself on being a positive role model, you know, basketball and non-basketball related. Sure. I've mentored multiple coaches, males as well, not just from the basketball arena. I've mentored coaches that uh, coach lacrosse and other sports and even uh, my opposing coaches, um, ex-players and students and athletes. And I strongly believe that as far as my coaches are concerned, empowering those around me kind of takes off some of the burden from me. Um, so my voice is not the voice that always needs to be heard in practice just because I want the kids to realize the importance of respecting my assistant coaches as well. Sure. Good point. Uh, um, so let me let me list a few of your accomplishments here. 17 regional conference champions, National Advisor Hall Wall of Fame. Uh, Regional Advisor of the Year Honor, State Advisor of the Year. Let me get into some of the coaching stuff. Maryland National 
Federation High School Coach of the Year for 2019. Howard County League Coach of the Year. Folks, sit and relax because this is going to take a while. Uh, That was four different times. The 500 Victory Club, you won your 500th game back almost, what, six, seven years ago. Uh, Honored as uh, faces that shape Howard County recognition, clergy members, business executive artists and athletes who help mold, uh, mold the county. Uh, coach of the year, my goodness, all the 695 hoops coach of the year, 2019-2006. It, it just goes on and on. And, you know, I, I guess I want to ask, what do you try to instill in your student athletes or what message are you trying to get across to them, whether it's on the court or off the court? Well, you know, it's interesting that you just announced all of those accolades. That's I, I just a few of them. But there's I have a tendency, t- there's you, tons of them. But, you know, I have a tendency to forget that, uh, you know, although they're important, but not really, really important. Mm-hmm. It's just the relationships that I've built. And, and I think, you know, I hope I'm as impactful in the classroom as I am on the court. So one of the main things I try to focus on is being a good person. Consequently, you're, if, if you're a good person, chances are you're going to be a good teammate or a good classmate. Mm-hmm. Um, Character is important. Just pride and respect for yourself and your teammates. I often tell my players, you know, you play for the name on the front of your jersey, not on the back. Absolutely. Um, because it's more about we and being selfless and not selfish. Um, you know, ultimately, good work ethic uh, goes hand in hand with having a positive ad- attitude. One of my favorite quotes is hard work beats talent when talent. Absolutely. Work One of my favorites. You know, as well. we, oh, yeah. Is that as yeah, well? I use that. So we have. So we, we have a lot of athletes that cross our paths who don't necessarily have to work as hard because they're naturally talented, mm-hmm. but oftentimes you find that they don't work as sure. hard either because they know they're naturally talented. Right. And when you can have those that have a strong work ethic, the positive attitude, um, uh, more of a team concept instead of a me concept, I just feel like, you know, the sky is the limit. Mm-hmm. Um, I also feel that, you know, one thing I, t- I talk about, winning is great. Mm-hmm. But oh, yeah. winning, but winning is only really, really good when you're all functioning as one. Mm-hmm. So you know we win with uh, humility and we lose with grace. And we've had our fair share on the basketball side. Not so much these past years. Early on, I did. Um, so you know it, it's been really, really um, rewarding to see you know the growth. But just constantly persevering, being good people, and and leaving a footprint and not a stain. Really okay. Hey, you know what? I can I can step in here real quick on on this uh, subject here, because what's really, really unique. And I just want to just digress this a little bit, because, um, Teresa, you are pretty much an icon at what you do. And I grew up, you know, everybody referenced even Dave, you know, always referenced Baltimore, you know, as you know, Maryland, when we we're talking about the lower eastern shore. But you, you, you came from Snow Hill in the lower <laughs> eastern shore of Maryland. And um, I came from a town, Berlin, Maryland, which Snow Hill and Berlin pretty much rivals when it comes to sports. Right? That's exactly correct. And it's really humble beginnings because it is limited opportunity. It is. You have to create your own sunshine. And, and you have done that. And you've been a testament of that. Um, and especially as a woman. Okay. So. It, it, it is a section of Maryland um, pretty much through that Underground Railroad, you know, mentality, right? You got, exactly. You know, you got Cambridge, what, 60 some miles, 70 some miles away, uh, birthplace of Harriet Tubman. It is some stinking thinking there. It is some obstacles that you have to persevere through uh, just as a man. 
And we know it's not an equal standard as a woman. We know that. That's why we're yeah. fighting, uh, you know, uh, to to enhance gender equality and and some of the inequalities that that women are facing still today. Even with a woman of your stature and all of your achievements, I know when you were out there pioneering this thing, this was new talk, right? Because women did not have a voice. And let me even double down even further. Black women surely didn't have a voice. Right? That's exactly correct. <laughs> and you were able to still persevere, fight through, make your name, go back, give back, uh, and, you know, um, uh, just, you know, infuse your, your community with all the things that you learn outside of your community, right? And, and still empower, inspire, you know, people to, to come through. So if you can just share a little bit of what that struggle was, because I want another person from the Lower Eastern Shore to, to, to be the next, you know, Teresa Waters. I want another person to say, I can do that, you know, and we want to get that word out because right now um, with all this social, you know, unrest and, you know, of course, unarmed black men are definitely being, you know, um, shot dead in the streets, but our women, right? Our women are definitely being overlooked and deserve better. Our black women deserve better. And and you are one of our prominent black women who actually did this when, I mean, only 10, what, 15 years from just being able to have an opportunity to vote, just, you know, being able to, because uh, you, you came through high school in the 70s, correct? That's correct. So in the 60s, we don't even have to explain that. We already, history showed us that. And still now in 2020, we're still fighting some of the same things. You're right? exactly correct. So can you just explain just a snapshot of how you was able to have the mental toughness, you know, the intestinal fortitude, um, the grit? I know it came from a great family and you explained that. But there's some things that you got to do alone, too. I don't know that because success <laughs> right. is lonely. You're right. Can you explain to our viewers how you were able to pull that together so another young woman, you know, can 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 understand how they can still uh, navigate in 2020 like you did, you know, earlier in the 70s and 80s? Well, Sean, I can honestly say by the grace of God for me, um, you know, as I said before, I think a lot of the values and things that were instilled in me early on have given me the opportunity to achieve the things I've achieved. So as you recalled, I grew up in Snow Hill, Maryland, I think in my graduating class. Um, well, in the school, maybe it was a population of maybe slightly over 200. Imagine right. that. Wow. And so we were 1A school, one of the smallest schools in the state. Um, but even going back farther than that, when they were beginning to integrate schools, uh, I think I was one of three in the fifth grade, three wow. females who was integrated into the uh, white school, predominantly white school. And that was a choice my parents made early on. Uh, my older brother and sister were one of the few, probably a handful that were integrated into Snow Hill High School. Um, so we had to deal with that. And that wasn't easy, I can honestly attest to. But we continue to, right. to, to deal with it. I always have found it... Um, easy to be able to communicate people from all walks. I think all people have value. You know, I have friends from all walks. As a matter of fact, some of the kids in high school that uh, were not viewed as being the popular kid or the kid that anybody associated with. And although 
I guess I was kind of like viewed as being a popular kid from, you know, maybe my siblings, their accomplishments and me following in their footsteps. But for some odd reason, I always felt that everybody had importance. And so I knew that I wanted to play sports because I watched my brother play and I wanted to emulate everything that he did as well as my sister. I watched other athletes. I can remember a female from Princess Anne, Maryland. And she played uh, basketball. Her name was uh, Jane Fontaine, who has a killer jumper. And I can remember trying to model that. But I continued to work. I continued to persevere. I wanted to be involved. I didn't just want to be pigeonholed into one group. So when I was in high school, not only was I a basketball player, as quiet as it's kept, I was a cheerleader. I was a majorette. Um, I was involved as a class officer. So I think really, again, the foundation came from the older siblings where I wanted to do everything they did and then some. And that's what I always tell the kids, and then some. So I knew that my parents, when my older siblings went to school, you know, my parents didn't go to college. My mom um, got her GED because, you know, she got married and pregnant early on. My right. dad went to the military. And so uh, I would see my brother went to college and he was a good athlete. But, you know, again, you don't get the recognition here. Right. You know, we played out on outside uh, courts. We didn't have AAU or anything like that. Right, right. And so you, as in the grind. You in the Oh, yeah, we were in a grind. But you know what? It was all good. You know, yeah, and, and listen, you know, Teresa, tell them how when you play outside, you know, you got to adjust that jump shot for the win. And a lot of these young folks don't understand. <laughs> oh, that. yeah. And not only that, my basketball court, which I got when I was 16 years old, I wanted a brand new court. Imagine that a sweet 16 birthday party and my gift that I got, which what I wanted, which was a new basketball court, which was on a Because you heel. was a hooper, girl. You was a hooper. <laughs> yeah, and I They did better like recognize you. you hoop, <laughs> hey, hoop life is what you were about. We were. But can, can I um, just, uh, I just want to just shine a spotlight on one thing that you said about your mother, just for our, our younger listeners that don't understand the time frames. So when your mother got pregnant back then, they made you leave school. You couldn't continue. That's school, exactly correct. Which is crazy. That's exactly right? correct. Think, you know, that you have to leave school because you got pregnant. So the fact that she went back in an environment that did not want you to be educated once you became pregnant is huge. You know, so I think that grit was was ingrained. You know, you had good soil, but but yet you can have great soil. That mean you're going to grow. You actually put things into action. And I'm super proud. Well, you, you know, know, my mother talked to us all the time about us doing better than her. So, as I said, when my oldest brother went to college, I saw it was a financial struggle. He dropped out out of after two years. He went to Morgan State dropped out after two years to go to the military because he figured he could use his GI Bill once he was has, had served two years. My sister went on financial aid. And then when it was my time, again, I was fortunate they didn't have to pay anything because I got a full basketball scholarship. Wow. Wow. So, and that's huge and that was back in the, Yeah. And back in the and 70s. Back that. In the day. And so, you know, because yes. we made it to States, you know, my senior year, uh, junior year, we played at the States and at the States, uh, we played a 4A school. So you're right. talking a school with 200 as opposed right. to school with 4,000. Right. We lost by five. My senior year, we lost by two. Same thing. So, so you we made were a able- trip across the water from small Snow Hill. 1A, exactly. Right. Played a huge school, 4A, probably over in the Baltimore County area. Right? Yes, it was. And exactly. it separated, you know, uh, David, just to give you some locale through the Chesapeake you know, bridge. So she went over to Bay Bridge, you know, closer to the city, 
where the schools are bigger, more resources, because where we grew up, it's no resources, okay? It's no resources. When I say no resources, I'm telling you no resources. You know, so for you to be able to take that team pretty much on your back, because you was it. You was the go-to. Well, like, I, I mean, I if the WNBA was rolling right now, you, you probably would be in it, you know, back then during your time frame, because you didn't have that accessibility. No, I did not. Right. So you could easily been in the WNBA, and, and listen, I'm a WBA agent, so I definitely would have had you, you know, on top of it. So you've been one <laughs> of my clients great. for sure. You know, uh, but, but that experience of just having that resiliency, did that build your toughness? Oh, you most know, definitely. With most, so many different situations? Most definitely. You know, yeah. my mindset was this, you know, what anybody can do, I can do as well. But to come here and experience it also, I mean, to be on the Western shore, to be able to play a school, like I said, 4,000 population in comparison to 200, we knew we had the potential. Now, I'm going to be totally honest with you. We were also the most diverse school that was playing in that tournament. Gotcha. So we knew right away the odds were against us. So you had some rough riders on that team, huh? You had some girls that were built for it, right? Oh, yeah, we did. Oh, we okay. did. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. And it was the same thing in the senior year. So, it, it, it you know, it really has, uh, I mean, I've had to struggle, but guess what? You continue to persevere. Yeah. You know, it just makes you stronger. And, you know, even when I began coaching, my coaching career, I was the youngest coach, the right. only female and the only African-American. And right. believe me, I got my kicks. I mean, they, they, they really they gave it to me. Um, right. But I knew if I stayed around here long enough and I learned the system, uh, it's just a matter of time. Right. I, I definitely share some of those same experiences now doing some of the things that I'm doing. Um, Sherm, me and Sherm Dog, just to let you know, have a basketball game coming up. I just up. learned something and, important. Um, that, you know, I, got but, to, I got to adjust my shot for the win. <laughs> you, just, you, 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 just, you just told me that. Yeah, yeah, you're definitely going to have to do it. But, but also I want you to know, you know, folks from the Eastern Shore, we, we, don't, we don't give up. We just keep fighting. So now you got that understanding. <laughs> mm -hmm. So okay. I'll turn it back over to you, sir. Okay. <laughs> Teresa, let me ask you a question. We're going we're gonna to jet forward here a little bit because I want to get your point of view on the role of women in sports, how it's changed. Um, from when you started coaching to the present? And are you, are you surprised uh, either positively or negatively with where women are in the sports landscape currently? Well, you know, I, when I observe, I, I, you know, these things, like Sean said, were not available to us. Right, right. Um, and, I, and I really wish they were because uh, I think that it's great what I see now. We still got a long uh, way to go. There's still a lot, a lot of disparity. But... Um, um, I, do, I do believe that when you look at the strides that we've obtained, so, you know, I know when you look at the WNBA, you know, that's exciting that we actually have a, a women's uh, league. And I think um, these women are really, you know, showing uh, future women that they can do anything and they can be a mother and they can be, you know, um, they can be uh, an entrepreneur and still be able to, you know, persevere. So I think uh, women's basketball, the WNBA, we got next began in 1996. And I think their first play was in 1997. It was. However, right. when, when you, when you do look at 
the disparity in the salaries yep. between the females and the males. I mean, you know, you look at the highest MBA salaries in their range, you're talking, you know, 40 million in right. comparison to, I think, the highest WNBA player right now is making about 128,000. Yes, and, and that is uh, unfortunate. And so the average salary for a WNBA player is about 80,000. Yeah, and so in order for them to you know, make more money, then they have to play all year round by going overseas. And that's not, a, everybody's not afforded that opportunity. It's usually the top talent in the league. So I, I you know, I think there's really some disparity there. Um, one thing that I always wanted to do, Sean, was I wrote this in my high school uh, um, memoir book that I wanted to be the first female NBA official. Well, it didn't happen because I stayed in the coaching arena. But when you look now and you see four female NBA officials on the officiating roster, I think that's pretty right. And we have, what, one NFL uh, female official, which is also good. At least we're, you know, breaking certain barriers. And then I believe there are about four women in the NBA that are serving as assistant coaches. Now, we haven't gotten a head coaching position yet. Right, and I'm hoping that's going to change. I mean, we got some folks that's definitely qualified. As a matter of fact, they've been qualified decades ago. So let's, let's be honest. Like, it's been, this could have happened 20 years ago, but I am glad that it's happening now. And when you're talking about officiating, I just want to let you know that Hondo told me that you probably officiated one of my games at the Berlin Youth League. So he told me that he told me that a couple of days ago. So I I I hope I didn't travel. I hope my handles were good um, and, and I fell out. You know, but but to think that and then he also let me know that you were the only woman that actually was there refing at that time frame. Right. So many years ago. So that just has a testament to your knowledge, your skill set, and your ability to to break, you know, to uh, persevere through barriers and challenges. And and we need to to let folks know that you know if you believe you can achieve. And I know that's a little a cliche, but it is so true because your life is a testament of that work, you know, of hard work, but also intelligence, because. During this struggle, you have to maintain emotional intelligence because that's one of the stereotypes, you know, that is also placed in front of you, especially as, you know, a female athlete. Are you tough enough? Or, you know, um, are you going to, you know, whatever they are, that's untrue. We know that right. to be the fact. Right. But now you're instilling these same teachings that you experience yourself to the young women that you're actually coaching. How are they responding to those things? And would you change it up now? Or do you think that the society is a little more fragile, a little more sensitive? Because like, like you said, your coach was a yellow and screamer. Now, if you do that, you're probably going to be on every social media outlet and out of coaching. So how have you made that adjustment, but still allowed um, your, your aggressiveness and, 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 and stick to you know, showing your coaching? Well, you know, I'm in Howard County actually teaching. And so that school system is uh, a well-established school system. And, and, you know, we're ranked in the top. Um, so the Howard County is in the top, I believe, in the state of Maryland. And the school that I actually teach at now, and I've been at for the last 20-some years, is probably the top of the tier. So I, am, I have scholar athletes, you know, first and foremost. Um, the kids are... Are different. I realize that it's just like, you know, when you get a different team, you have to coach according to your strengths. 
And so, you know, you get different personnel. So I've had kids that uh, most of my kids are not basketball players. <laughs> They're athletes. Right. They have a great work ethic and they understand the importance of working. And again, I go back to hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Absolutely. We realize that, you know, basketball may not be their first sport. That's fine. But maximize what you can while right. you're here. And this sport has enabled a lot of my students who have are players who have gone on to play, let's say, lacrosse and soccer and volleyball onto the collegiate level. And a lot of I've had a great amount of, of, of basketball players that have played basketball to right. have gotten scholarships and have done really, really well. But I think just leading by example and also learning. I mean, maybe I started yelling a little bit early on and then I realized, you know, I've got to make adjustments. It doesn't work for everybody. And because we are living in a new time, a new era, you know, uh, and you've got a lot of parental involvement and, you know, people are waiting to scrutinize you. You know, being a coach is not easy. No, it's not. I tell the kids oftentimes, I wish I could exchange roles with you so you could understand, you know, being a player is an easy part. Well, I'm not saying it's easy, but it's much easier. It's more enjoyable at times. It is. It is. is. Because, you know, as a coach, you win, you get all the glory. If you lose, you get all the blame. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and, and we understand that. And I tell kids, you know what? The first person I look at after every contest is the man in the mirror, which right. is me. Right. So I'm going to look at me first and reassess. And then I'm going to reassess and I'm going to be honest with my reassessment. And if I were the one who fell short, I mean, I try to lead by example. I'll tell the kids. I'll tell them if I was wrong. But guess what? This is all a learning process. We're constantly working and, and pushing forward. And they understand that. And you know what? What's most important is my kids understand that I care about them beyond. That is huge. You know, when they leave uh, and go on and become productive citizens, you know what? They can always come back to me and they know that I'm going to be there for them. And you know what? I feel the same way for them. They'll be there for me. And it's just not, again, in the, on the court. It's in the classroom. I've had some of the outstanding leaders you know you were talking about the advisors wall of fame well that's a national student organization its compass is over uh 250 million students nationwide so wow. i have uh a fbla future business leaders of america okay again that's a leadership role and so i've had some students who have been outstanding they've been national officers and have been able to compete on national levels and have done really really well all of it is about relationships it's about um, caring about the individual beyond what you can get from them. I mean, you know, and this is another thing, you know, basketball is just a tool. Yep. Um, basketball is a tool that we love. We love we, it. Oh, so, yeah, we do love it. Absolutely. Because we wouldn't do it otherwise, especially on a high school level. You're not going to get rich being a high school coach, but no, you have not. to have the passion for it. And I have the passion and it's just not for the girls. It's for the guys. I've written letters for guys who happen to be basketball players at my school. And I wrote letters for them for college. For example, Oliver was recruiting one of my kids. Wow. I say my kids because he was from River Hill, the school Absolutely. I'm at. Right. And so um, and you're the connection. You're the connection. Well, and you know what? Again, like you said, right. we give back, you know, right. you know, although we're not living here and you're way out on the West Coast, but just even you doing this now, you know, it's giving back and empowering yeah. me to empower someone else. And that's what it's all about. And it's, that's the same thing with the kids and the kids understand. So when my kids leave, they come back and they come back as adults and they give back. Yeah. So I will tell you that I want you to be my coach. I don't know about you, Sharon, but I want you to be my coach. <laughs> You inspire me. You motivate me. I love your story. I love that you walk it as you talk it. I have been, uh, um, I have benefited, I have benefited from FBLA and DECA, both of those clubs. 
were were inspiring to me and allowed me to think outside of my my own surroundings to want to do more. So I'm very, very familiar with that. Um, You know, those are are life changing uh, stepping stones for me. And to know that you lead that and and just got us out of our community, because that's a special program and club that allows you to think um, as an entrepreneur, which in an area like the Lower Eastern Shore, it's not many people that look like us that own anything. So um, to be able to um, want to inspire to do more outside of sports, because this is some of the vessels that we use to get off the Eastern Shore, That's right? Exactly to, get a, to get an education. And I was fortunate to get my education and serve in the military. So I, I used two of those vessels, right, to, to get me out here to the West Coast to be able to give back and do great things. Sherm, hey, we got a heck of a coach here. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if it's basketball, she could coach anything. She can coach, um, you know, making a paper airplane and flying <laughs> it. I'm telling that. you, um, it'll fly very far, <laughs> you know, with all your accolades and all the energy and effort that you put into the passion that you have for your kids. Sherm, do you have anything else for? Yeah, I got to ask two more questions because in this era of COVID-19, it's changed the way we live and, and, and our points of view. Are you going to keep coaching and teaching? Well, that all depends. Um, right now we are doing all online teaching at home. So as of now, we're returning to school, hopefully in a hybrid model, uh, early part of February. Okay. Again, it all depends. Now I could have retired 11 years ago uh, with full benefits. So I hung on because I was passionate about what I do. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I, you know, coaching is instilled in me, but you know what? I've got some great assistant coaches, one young lady in particular that I think, you know, if in fact my decision is to, to, to retire and, and do some other things, um, then, you know, she'll fill in it and, and do just fine. I, 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 I'm just not sure at this point, but you know, this uh, coronavirus has really taken its toll on a lot of us. And um I, I'm just, I'm indecisive at this point. I do plan on going back and coaching this year. Uh, maybe one more year. I do have some individuals that, you know, this is a problem. You develop relationship with these kids and you mm-hmm. don't know how to leave them. Sure. Right. But they leave sure. us. Yeah. <laughs> then, another, sure then another one comes in and you develop a relationship. So we'll see. I'm just not sure at this point. Okay. All right. Yep. You don't have to make a decision right now. I tell you what, you have been an absolute delight. I do have one more question for you. Okay. Are you all set? You ready? Okay. I want to see if you know this because you are from Maryland, right? I am. All right, Sean, this is, gonna, this is going right to you. Teresa, do you know the state sport of Maryland? The official sport of Maryland is jousting. <laughs> there you go. Sean, there you didn't, go. Sean didn't know that. Al Handy I, knew that. I, I didn't know, but you know, <laughs> hey, but I'm not surprised. But see, I'm, I'm around great people who know that keep me in, keep me in check. They keep me in check. So, um, you know, awesome. I, I don't know how I missed that, um, you know, at all. But I'm so thankful that we have folks around me, other Marylanders, <laughs> that can hold my back. You know, that's the good thing about the lower East Shore. We got each, we got other's, each back. other's back. That's we exactly correct. So that's I mean, exactly correct. I can live with that. No problem. I can live with that. Absolutely. That's exactly correct. Uh, that's awesome. Teresa, will you come on again? I, I would. Time? You guys have been a joy. 
joy uh, and a highlight for me today. So I really appreciate the opportunity. Oh, that's kind of you. Thank you. Yeah, well, it was actually a joy for us to have someone of your stature on who is so well-rounded as an educator, iconic in the Maryland area, a coach, a player. It goes on and on. You've won state championships. As I say, we only scratched the surface of all your accolades. I want to have you come back another time so we can go over all of those other things because there's so much more to talk about. Ah, Well, it's kind of you. Thank you very much. Again, that is Teresa Waters, who uh, iconic coach and educator in the Maryland area. Thanks so much, Teresa. Thank you. And as always, I would like to thank my guest host, our Dean of Athletics, Sean Harris. Yay, yay. And the gentleman who makes us sound good each and every time we do podcasts, that is Brandon Peterson, our sound engineer. Beep, 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 beep. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you download your podcast and please leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get the word out about Westcliff Athletics and we thank you for your support. And keep an eye out for the next podcast. I'm out of late for a week. I'm out here playing for kids. Yeah, yeah. I never play in them jeeps. Double that back of the seat. Yeah, yeah. I'm out here looking like